to protect your skin. Now, the temperatures may inch up another degree tomorrow, 97, the projected high on Wednesday. Uh, temperatures don't start to back off until we head into the weekend, still around 90 Friday. I'm David Maddox for MPB. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today I have with me Amanda Box, an expert in conflict resolution. We're talking about how to have difficult conversations and end them successfully. Have you ever wanted to talk about something with your significant other but were afraid because it might end in an argument? What about that difficult work conversation with your boss or coworker? Do you just not know how to start? We have help for you. Let's talk about what's going on in your life today. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Voters are heading to the polls in Arizona and Florida today to decide which candidates will face off in two of the year's top Senate races. NPR's Susan Davis has more. Republican Senators John McCain of Arizona and Marco Rubio of Florida are both favored to win their primary elections. But the senators face two of the most competitive down-ballot races coming this November. McCain will face Democratic Congresswoman Ann Kirkpatrick, while Rubio is expected to face Democratic Congressman Patrick Murphy. Murphy must also win a primary against Congressman Alan Grayson, but Grayson is tainted by multiple scandals. Another incumbent, Florida Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, is also favored to win her primary against law professor Tim Canova. She's been targeted by progressive activists who objected to her management of the Democratic National Committee. She resigned from the DNC in July. Susan Davis, NPR News, Washington. FBI Director James Comey says the U.S. government takes any outside efforts to try to influence U.S. elections very seriously. The FBI is warning state election officials to be on the lookout for cyber attacks after two state voter registration databases were hacked. NPR's Pam Fessler reports. Comey would not comment on reports that the FBI suspects Russian entities might be responsible for the hacks, which involved registration lists in Arizona and Illinois. No records were changed in either case, but in Illinois, hackers had access to personal information, such as voters' drivers' registration numbers. FBI Director Comey said such intrusions are of concern. I don't want to comment on the particular, but those kinds of things are something we take very, very seriously and work very, very hard to understand so that we can equip the rest of our government with options for how to deal with it. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security are working with local election officials to secure their voting systems. Pam Fessler, NPR News, Washington. Paula Page says he doesn't know if he'll finish out his term as the governor of Maine. This after a profanity-laced voicemail he left for State Representative Drew Gatim was made public last week. Earlier today, LePage spoke to Bangor, Maine talk radio station WVOM. I'm looking at all options. Um, I think some things I've asked, asked to do are beyond my ability, and uh, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to finish it. I'm not saying that I am going to finish it. 
LePage, a Republican, was angry at Gatine, a Democrat, because he thought he called him a racist. LePage says he's planning to meet with Gatine to decide what to do next. A typhoon has hit northern Japan. Strong winds and heavy rains have caused flooding and airline cancellations. Thousands of people have been forced to evacuate. There are also reports of power outages. Stocks are trading lower at this hour on Wall Street. The Dow was down 48 points. The Nasdaq down 10. The S&P 500 down 3 points. You're listening to NPR News in Washington. An estimated 6,500 migrants have been rescued in the Mediterranean Sea off Libya's coast, trying to reach Europe. Lauren Frere reports it's one of the biggest rescue operations so far this year. Video recorded by rescuers shows some of the migrants jumping out of overcrowded wooden boats and swimming toward rescue vessels. Some wore life jackets, but some did not. Many cheered and lifted babies into the air as they caught sight of the Italian Coast Guard. They didn't have enough fuel to reach Europe. In the space of 24 hours, at least 40 boats were intercepted, carrying 6,500 people. Other European navies and NGOs also helped. With an EU-Turkey pact sending migrants back from Greece, others like these are venturing farther west in the Mediterranean on longer, often more dangerous journeys toward Italy and Spain. For NPR News, I'm Lauren Fryer in Madrid. Tech giant Apple will have to pay up to $14.5 billion in back taxes to Ireland. The European Union says the company will also have to pay interest after it found that Apple received illegal tax benefits over 11 years. EU Competition Commissioner Margrethe Vestia says the fine was imposed after a three-year investigation. This decision sends a clear message. Member states cannot give unfair tax benefits to selected companies. Apple says it's planning to appeal the ruling. On Wall Street, the Dow was down 44 points at 18,458. I'm Windsor Johnston, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Novo Nordisk, which is committed to a healthy economy, environment, and society as part of everything it does. Learn more about their commitment at novonordisk.us. And the listeners who support this NPR station. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning and welcome. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, I have with me Amanda Box, an expert in conflict resolution, and we're talking about having those difficult conversations and knowing how to end them successfully, or perhaps when you think there's a conflict what to do about it before you really get into it, if there's a potential. 
So a couple of questions to you. Have you ever wanted to talk about something with your significant other, but were just afraid that it might end up in an argument? Didn't know quite how to start that conversation? What about at work, that difficult conversation with your boss or maybe your coworker? Maybe something's not going particularly well and you want to fix it. Do you know how to start? We have help for you, so we want to hear what's going on with you in your life, in your work, and in your home. Share your experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, Good morning, Amanda. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I found it interesting on um, Amanda's bio. uh, One of her statements is, the success of your communication determines your success in every other aspect of your life. And what a wonderful uh, philosophy and foundation for you and the work that you do. Well, thank you. It's so true. When people ask me about my work, I say, well, I help people talk to each other so they can do their other stuff that needs to get done. It's not the work. It's the people. It is. It is. And, you know, as I was preparing for this show, I I have so many different stories that I could <laughs> lend to We this. all do. Um, I'm sure we do, both at, at home home and at work um, and and with our and our with our children even are our friends sure. out there not not just necessarily significant others um, so Amanda you've spent more than 20 years um, working um, both in teaching on the college level and consulting with business and industry yes on communication I guess right yes yeah and so you earned your undergraduate degree in communication from Freed Hardman University in 1991. That's right. And a master's um, from Mississippi College right here in town. Yes. In 1993. So lots of work. I know I've heard wonderful things about you. So um, we're real excited about having you here today. Thanks. My pleasure. Yeah. So um, I, I think that one issue I wanted us to to talk about today is is um, sort of when you know that there you're approaching someone where there might be conflict or there might be disagreement. Is there something that you can do to try to get yourself ready for that? Is there some way to prepare or um, how would you suggest that we approach that when we have something that we'd like to? Well, now is the time. Yeah. Because conflict is going to happen. It's not like we wake up every morning and say, hmm. I hope I get into a big fight today. (laughs) But you know over the course of your life that it is going to happen because it just does, because we're different and you have different ideas about what ought to happen. But so I I think one of the first things that is so helpful is just realizing that conflict is normal. There is nothing wrong with you or your marriage or any relationship. In fact, if you don't have conflict, you're probably not in a relationship. 
there's too much distance. And so it's just it's just normal. It's like breathing. It's it's going to happen. So I think that's a that's a big thing right there. So that's probably a relief to a lot of people <laughs> out there hearing well, that it's yeah. okay to have conflict sometimes. Right. And I also think that people need to understand from the very beginning there is not some perfect way to have this conversation. People are so reluctant to talk about it at all because it feels safer. Mm-hmm. It feels safer to be quiet. It feels safer to talk about anything else but it feels safer to avoid that person altogether and that happens at work a lot in your own family you can avoid them for a while but eventually you're going to have to be you're going to have to come into contact with that person something's going to break at work you really don't (laughs) you can avoid that person for years and then it just allows everything to get worse so you can try to there's sometimes (laughs) and i know certainly at at our office um some of us work in such clear close proximity due to crowded space that that sometimes you can avoid it but you can to a certain degree by your body language correctly. oh yes the nonverbals yep. are 65 to 90 percent of your communication so no matter what you say your body is going to win out and be more truthful but if you think about you know how to prep for this conversation just just relax about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You may botch the conversation. So what? To me, if you're having this conversation, that's a huge victory mm-hmm. because it's way easier for me to have somebody that's a little aggressive and say, you need to dial that back a little bit. That's that's pretty easy. It's far more difficult for somebody that's really terrified of that conversation. They're afraid of what's going to happen to get them to speak up. So just realize conflict is normal. There's not a perfect conversation. If you're having one, awesome a plus and then just understand that you have to have a conversation it's it has to take place it, and you uh, of course you know you don't want to do that on facebook <laughs> in public on oh, text goodness. you want to face to face yes we've talked a lot about um that that type of media use for issues that really need to be more face to face and one reason that we've talked about and you just said it is you don't see body language when you're communicating in black and white you don't you don't see what the eyes are doing, what the body is doing, whether the arms are folded or open. Not that that's a universal sign, but, you know, whether or not somebody's able to make good, hard eye contact with you and let you know they mean what they say. Right. Those nonverbals are really critical. But honestly, the what the reason people are on Facebook and all the social media is because it's easier and people will oh, default absolutely. to an easier stance because of fear. And I think that's one thing that people may not want to admit to each other. I know one time my husband and I, well, we we passed the checkbook back and forth all the time because I don't like paying bills. He doesn't like paying bills. And I had avoided it for like several years. And so he was pressing pretty hard. It's your turn. It's your turn. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. But why? Well, I just don't want to. Well, I don't want to either. So we were going back back and forth. It was not a big fight. It was just a pretty consistent, it's your turn. And it it was my turn. And finally, he just kept pressing, why? And and I kind of stepped back and was quiet for just a second. No, really, why? What am I feeling about that? And it was fear. Mm-hmm. Well, what's so scary about paying bills? Is it the bill paying? Is it the task? No. For me, when I ask myself, well, that's strange. I'm the one that stands in line for an hour to ride a roller coaster. I'm married to a baseball coach. We're not we don't we're not afraid people. You right. know, we're not, we don't right. live that way. And um, but what I was afraid of 
was just the conflict that might create if I was the boss of the money. So if I'm the boss of the money, that means I have to say, no, we can't afford that. And, you know, nobody wants to be the bad guy in that way. And so to say, I don't want to do it, I'm not good at it, and to avoid it for a few years, that was just safer than saying, I don't want you making fun of me for being cheap when we don't have that money in our bank account. So it's it's all a defense. It, it is We are such defensive people. Yeah. And I would love to be a person that was not defensive, and I, I am defensive. Yeah. And I hate it and I'm yeah. working on it. It's but just don't in you us. think some of that defensiveness is secondary to really wanting to be good at what you do and really caring about who you are and who who you want to be. So I don't think it's secondary. I think it's so primary that you can't so primary, stop yeah. it. Yeah. 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 If you're getting a if you're getting punched in the face, your body will react to that. Yeah. And so when you get a criticism, in fact I tweeted this out uh, yesterday. Uh, criticism is hard from a friend's stranger or loved one it's just hard Mm -hmm. and so when you're confronted with a conflict that means that someone doesn't like something about what I'm doing or who I am which is really tough and so my instinct is to throw my arms up and protect myself from that blow and that comes out in a thousand different ways it can come out in in usually will you do the same thing too or it can come out in the silent treatment which is a passive way to defend. It's still defense. It can come out in an attack, which I just said, you know, you, you do that too. your words. Everybody does that, blah, blah. It can come out in name calling. It can come out in bringing up the history. Well, you know, four years ago, that's what you did. And so it's all about attacking the other person because that's what feels safe. It feels like I need to protect uh, myself from and that. And often I think blood. that we, yes, often we attack people that we really love. Oh, and yeah. who, if someone else, if we hurt, someone else attacking attacking <laughs> that loved one like sometimes we do we would be absolutely livid about it correct we so would why do, we do that because it's the safe place to do it it's all about how safe you feel and so the the when you will not engage with someone that means that it's scary for you to do that and the reason the reason it's so scary is because we have bought into this myth that conflict has to be something you win or lose yeah. so my behaviors reflect that if i have to win that means that you have to lose yeah. except if you play that out it doesn't it doesn't work you very well you don't always have to win and you don't always have to lose well, right i don't want to use that language at all yeah. because if you think about i, I want to completely dismiss that language from our, or the, those words, those thoughts from our heads at all, because that's what causes the defensiveness. If you think about the good things that can come from conflict, then what are those? So when we get back from our first break, we're going to talk about why we need to delete the words win or lose from when we're having difficult conversations. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about your stories, your difficulties, your questions about how you can approach a difficult situation. I know you have those in your life. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking.
Support for MPB comes from Fondren's First Thursday this Thursday, September 1st, beginning at 5 p.m. A community event featuring local art, merchants, live music, family activities, and craft beer. More details at FondrenFirstThursday.city. Hi, I'm Ashley Jeffcoat. Every Wednesday morning at 10, the calls roll in. Going first to Joe in Oxford. Larry is on 555. Bob is in Columbus. No matter where you are in the world, this is the place for you to get informed and excited about the everyday technologies in your life. Listen to us. Email us. Call us. Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. I will do that. Thank you so much. And back to the show. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with Amanda Box, who is an expert in communication and conflict resolution. We're talking about, we've been talking about the fact that conflict is an inevitable part of life and that communication, understanding successful and good communication is is sort of the key to being able to be a successful person almost in, in every place. At break, we stopped with talking about why when you are in a conversation with a potential point of conflict that you really don't want to think yourself think of yourself as the winner or the loser, right? Absolutely, because that's what's going to determine your behavior. And you know those behaviors that you do that don't work. The silent treatment, the insulting, the the uh, tense body language, and many, many other behaviors that we do, although we know those are not going to help the conflict. But if you can think about what good comes from conflict, and I want to be in that camp. Okay, well, what good can come from conflict? Well, you solve the issue, you learn. You work out your differences. You work out your differences. You're strengthened as a a team, a couple, a workforce, whatever. And so many things cannot happen that are really, really good without going through those conflicts. Yeah, I would dare say that many times parents have conflicts just on the way they discipline their children and the way they manage their <laughs> oh, children, sure. correct? Oh, I absolutely. see that like every day. Right. We have yeah. My husband and I, we have three children. One's a sophomore in college, senior in high school, and then we have a four-year-old. So there is, we're in every parenting ditch possible, and we still have those <laughs> conversations. How are we going to handle this? Right. You have different perspectives. But if you can think about what do you want to happen, you want to land on that good, solid foundation. You're building that foundation. So if you can think of, of conflict as this puzzle, how do we put the puzzle pieces together? Well, that lowers your blood pressure. And if you know people that that work jigsaw puzzles, you know, the first thing you do, you don't start screaming insult at the puzzle pieces. You just start, okay, these line up here, these colors here, and you just start moving things around until they fit. So if you can think of conflict as a puzzle, good things can come from this. Right. We just have to get there. And so what that means is we have to talk to each other. There's a book that I love called Crucial Conversations. 
And uh, this was a book set out to study leadership, who is a successful leader. And what they found was it was not an IQ or a background or a personality. It was an individual's ability to work through this difficult conversation, this challenge, and people still want to be on their team at the end of the day. And so it really is about how we talk to each other. How, to, how we yeah. talk, how we communicate. Yeah, so you can read those benefits of the conflict, which means you can't worry about winning and losing. You just have to start putting those puzzle pieces together. Right. Well, we have Jennifer on the road. And Jennifer, you have a blended family. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Tell us what your thoughts are. Well, um, I have a daughter, a stepdaughter, that thrives on creating conflict with Mm. me, between my husband, between her brother, between anybody. It sounds like she's um, successful at it. Is that correct? Oh, extremely successful, extremely manipulative. um, And it's just, it's getting to the point where it's almost destroying our marriage. Um, How old is she? Yeah, how old? And 12. Okay. And I've been in their lives for three years, and ever since we got married, the conflict just escalated to almost a a violent level. Mm. Anytime I open my mouth to to be a parent, my husband accuses me of arguing with her. So, Jennifer, often... um, Often, uh, children who come into a blended family haven't haven't been prepared well, or perhaps are terrified that they may be losing a position. Was she the um, oldest, only child, or is the oldest child with him? I brought in a daughter who is now seventeen, mm-hmm. so there's a five year difference between them. So that's tough. Amanda, I can tell you have some thoughts about this, and then I'll add some. She wants to be the equal to her father and wants to be out, basically, at this point. And it's just so hard because I feel like you go crazy when you know that you're trying to be a good, moral parent to put out, you know, the proper boundaries on a child that had none to the first six years of her life because her birth mom was just not a good parent. Okay, certainly you've got lots of layers there. And yeah. the and you are in good company too. Every family has uh, every family is blended, so to speak, and so there's so many families just like you. One, I would I would seek out a trusted counselor for your for your family dynamic and see you know how to deal with yeah. with the particulars because yeah. I know there's there's so much history, there's so much background, there's so many details that really need to be uh, seriously considered there because of er- every family is different. However, to me, this is a conflict with your husband because you know. Um, he is the one that is really going to have to deal with her, in my opinion, and, and you can seek out counseling on that. But to me, with your husband, you can say, you know, and deal real specifically. I know you're fed up because, you know, things accumulate over time and, and make things worse. And, and it is frustrating because you want a peaceful home, as everybody does. And when a child has, has too much power, it's a scary thing for them, too. But to me, this starts with your husband. And, you know, the conversation goes something like this. Yesterday... This this set of circumstances happened um, with with uh, the child. I'm getting really frustrated because it's affecting our marriage and it's scaring me. You know, 
this is not this is not going well. I'd like for us to get into counseling so we can really get along. I love her. I want the best things for her. I know you do too. But right now it's not working for us. So would you be willing to go into counseling? Now, I made up those details because I'm not sure what you want to do. But the the first thing to me is that you're going to have to work this out uh, with your husband and then uh, and then go from there because you guys have to be on the same page and that's going to take some doing. I'm sure he is uh, aware of all of her 12 years and what's happened. And, uh, and, and I can tell you right now too, it's a lot of defensive behavior going on there. Yeah. You know, people are afraid they're going to lose something. Yeah. Jennifer, have you been to counseling yet? Yes, we have. And in fact, it's almost done more damage to the dynamics of the family because of her manipulative ways with the counselor. And she went in and just threw me under a freight train. Mm Mm-hmm. Lies of, you know, like you would believe, she's been diagnosed as the violent abuser toward me. And uh, the first counselor just went back to my husband and said that I'm too strict with them. Her psychiatrist said I'm not strict enough. She's an oppositional, defiant child. You need to stay firm on your boundaries. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, she's going to run roughshod over you like she did her her dad. Yeah, Jennifer, let me let me make a suggestion to you. I think Amanda just brought up a point that's really, really important. Um, it sounds like the same counselor that was seeing your daughter was uh, your stepdaughter was seeing you and your husband and y'all were all she was having separate sessions and the like. This is an issue between you and your husband right now, and you both need to be on the same page and together on your recommendations on how you're going to manage that child before you will have any kind of success in this. So really, really important. Sounds like you may need a different counselor, frankly, uh, because it sounds like you haven't had someone work with the two of you on having the same parenting skills and working together as parents who are supporting each other. And if there's a disorder there, that's really beyond my scope, for sure. I can help people communicate clearly and effectively with each other. But a disorder requires a different set of skills, quite frankly. And the two of you, again, have to work together. So yeah. so I, I might suggest that you think about a start over. If you have um, two different completely parenting styles, then they needed they really need to be literally blended into one that works that you both can come in agreement of. So um, that's a tough situation. Um, Definitely uh, need to seek some help with this. I hear it in your voice. I can tell that you need some help. So um, I am happy if you want to send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I am happy to send some recommendations to you on uh, good resources. If you'll let me know where you are, if you're in the state or in one of the surrounding states, I'll be happy to help you with that, Jennifer. Thank you for your call. I would love to hear from others at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you've had issues like Jennifer with the 
blended family and figure out and figuring out how to communicate, or if you have some other areas of conflict and really trying to work through those, give us a call. Talking to your spouse about that, I do think is particularly difficult because it, I mean, the child, a 12 year old, I would say <laughs> children are just smart. They know mm. what's going to work and, and they're going to, they're going to use that to their advantage. So that's why I said, you know, that conversation has to start between the two adults and, right. and you know, this happened, I, this is what I'm sincerely afraid of instead, because I'm afraid what spouses say to each other is you're doing it wrong. Well, all that's going to do is cause a lot more defensiveness. Exactly. If you can say where, okay, this, this puzzle is a really important one, the development of this child. I know we both want the best for this child. We've got to be on the same page. So how do we get there? Yeah. And, and so you have to communicate that, not just we disagree. I, I'm, I'm the good disciplinarian. You're the lenient one. Often when, when one parent is, is out of balance in another, the, the other will try to balance that out. So it does, one person is too harsh and one person is too soft, but because of the, the well, dynamic because there. of the mm-hmm. the attempt at balancing yes. and i can tell you from a personal experience of my own i have a blended family i'm in my second marriage and i actually the first um year of our marriage was a very difficult <laughs> adjustment and we are very well adjusted now have a wonderful blended family and my stepdaughter is my daughter um but when she came into the family and i had three of my own um, um, she was 14, um, and so you can imagine the the adjustment issues, but sure, you, and can you can work through it. You can you make can. it work. But the, but you take the set of circumstances, and that's true for everyone. In fact, it kind of we can buy into this myth that we all speak the same language, that we all come from the same place, and we don't. Just like a blended exactly. family comes from a completely different. Uh, planet really from how you parent they were in a different house their entire lives they are not happy their parents are not together and then you take in communication styles I'm an extrovert they might be an introvert Uh, you you take in people's just sheer complete lack of ability to handle a difficult conversation at all some people are going to retreat some people are going to bear down hard and it just really is difficult that's why you have to really cut to the chase of this is what happened this is how I'm feeling about it. This is what I would like to see happen. And the conversation itself is not necessarily going to solve the problem. The conversation preserves the relationship. In that same book that I mentioned it's before, a wonderful point. Crucial Conversations, there's a study by Dr. John Gottman, who is a, a very well-known researcher, and he did a longitudinal study on marriages. And he looked at... Uh, how they handle conflict. And it was so interesting because over the 10 years that this study was conducted, it was not what the married people fought about. It was how they talked to each other during the conflict and they could predict the divorce rate right with a 90% accuracy, which is phenomenal when you're dealing with with people. It just blows my mind. So that tells you it's not what you fight about. That's that's almost irrelevant. It's how you talk to each other during the conflict that's going to preserve that relationship so that you can figure everything else out. And that's why parents have to be on the same page and and deal with with the child together or at least be consistent until you can figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) great point. So I know Oh, Laura, you were on the on the phone, and we 
dropped you, I'm afraid. Please give us a call back at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. We know that there are some issues out there that can be problematic as far as communication. And when we get back, we'll talk more about successful, preparing yourself to be successful in these conversations. Um, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. The conventions are over, candidates have been nominated, and with less than three months to Election Day. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, jelly bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And, of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Amanda Box, and we are talking about conflict resolution, having difficult conversations. Um, when you are in a relationship or a situation when you have something difficult and you don't know how to start the conversation, how do you do that? What do you do? How do you move forward? So one question we have from a, a listener who sent a message in is, is this, um, she has a child who has um, had some difficulties, and clearly there's something bothering this teenager that she is unable to get to. But 
her child does not want to talk about it. How do you approach that when you know um, you have a friend or a family member or um, someone that you really care about? You know something's wrong. You know something's going on, but they are not willing to start a conversation. What do you do? Well, that's really their decision on if they want to talk about it or not. However, I think in every every difficult conversation, persistence plays a big part because people will naturally avoid because it's easier. You right. know, for, for whatever reason, it's safer not to talk about it. And so, you know, that's you can't force them. It's like you can't force a child to eat really either. I mean, that's their call. That's their control. So here's what I say. And then here's what I've experienced, and and my clients told me too that this just really works. Be far more persistent, but but don't not to an irritating point. You know, I had a client tell me she could tell something was wrong um, with a girlfriend, mm-hmm. and so she called no return call. Huh, that's weird. So she waited a couple of days, called again, still nothing. So you start wondering, is it me? Right. What did I do? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's natural and good yeah. for you if you do think it's you, because at least you're a little bit more self-aware. That's a lot better than being, oh, nothing's wrong. Okay. And, and go on. Mm. So you just have to keep, I believe, just opening those lines of communication. And if it's someone in your own house, then you can say, yesterday I noticed you seemed a little sad. Now, that opening statement is extremely important, because if I open up this conversation like this, why are you acting so weird? <laughs> or what's wrong with you? Yeah. Why, you know, why are you being that way? What, you know, what is your problem? Okay, well, that's an attack, right? It's not even a question. Are you seriously acting this way? You know, Mm -hmm. so those are accusations. Well, the person's naturally going to be defensive, but they just are. They're going to be anyway. And then if I phrase the question like that, you know, that's going to be difficult. But if I say something that I have observed, something that I I say it like this, that you can prove in court (laughs) like this. I noticed you were a little bit quiet yesterday. I'm wondering if there's if there's something you want to talk about. And if they say no, and I actually had this conversation uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday with mm-hmm. a friend of mine, kind of mm-hmm. the same as mm-hmm. same situation. I've noticed, you know, you're you're acting sad. You know, you don't seem to be right. Yourself. I'm, and yeah. I talk about my feelings. I'm worried about that. Right. So, you know, and then you can stop right there and just see what they say. Well, th- my friend said, well, it's just something I'm going to have to work through. Well, okay, I, I respect that. Um, or you could, would this be okay to say, um, is there anything I can do to help sure, you? Sure, and I did say yeah. that, and you would. Okay, but but don't just press too hard, because right. then you can say what you say already. Okay, just want you to know I'm worried about you. I'd like to help, but I don't want to get on your nerves. So, and then I ask them, I, I want to help you, but does that mean leaving you alone right now? Does that mean backing off right now? Okay, so then you step back. You know, you're. they've told you they don't want to talk, or they haven't chosen to share with you okay so then you back off and then i'm a big believer in windows is there another window for opportunity for you it's not going to be five minutes from now you know it's so look for another window of opportunity it might be a few days um and so you you might send a text which is less obtrusive you might send an email look i respect you don't want to talk about it but I would like to help you if there's a way I can do that. And if it's not me, can I get somebody else for you to talk to if it's very serious? Right. And then again, don't don't overthink it, though. Let them know you're there persistently, you know, every few days or whatever. But don't uh, let that be the only thing you're talking about. Right. So um, what 
to our listeners, have you have you had something like this? I know you have because I've had several situations like this myself. Have you tried all these measures um, that Amanda just talked about as far as uh, opening things up, offering your help? But then have you felt like this didn't work and are you frustrated and do you feel like you need more help? Give us a call. We'd like to hear your story at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you don't want to talk about it online, send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. You know, often those emotions are just very difficult to talk about. Right. You, do, you don't want to be a scared person. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be those things. And so that's why we talk a lot about being mad. That made me so mad. Well, mad is an umbrella. It can contain a lot of a lot of different, many different emotions. And we are definitely conditioned, I think, in our culture that it's okay to be mad, but it's not necessarily to be to to feel those other things. And I mean, I've seen communication training where they they tell you not to deal with the feelings. And that's ridiculous because that's the reason you're mad. That's exactly. the reason there is a yeah. conflict. Yeah. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I, I was caught off guard. I did something wrong and and I'm ashamed of that or I made a bad decision in that realm. And so those are more difficult things to talk about because of every communication interaction is going to present kind of this silent question of who does this say I am? What does this conflict say about me? And so that's something you have to wrestle with. So if you if you confront me with something that you don't like, well, then I have a little identity quake there. And, and I don't like that. So I'm going to come up swinging because I think I'm a good person. Well, you, and you don't at the moment. So that's going to cause me that I don't. Maybe (laughs) I don't like a particular thing that's going on. And it has nothing to do with whether I like you or not. But I do think that a lot of times, things get twisted to if there's a behavior, or something that um, I'm pointing out, then it gets twisted into, well, then you don't like me, you don't respect me, you don't care as much about me as I thought you did. Exactly, because people can exaggerate this one moment in time into a commentary on your whole life, and that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So this one commentary is giving me some information about the puzzle piece I need to look at. Right. Not, you're a big loser, and I need to punch you in the face. Right. But that there's this point. So we need to think about um, intentions and what is the true intention of the conversation as we move forward. But let's go on. We have um, Robert in Meridian. Robert, you have a comment about safety. Yes. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks Um, for calling. uh, My pleasure. And by the way, you're one of my favorite hosts. But I try not to, you know, take up other people's time. That's why you haven't heard from me. Ah, thank you, Robert. Uh, Your guest commented about people feeling safe real quick i i referred to a relationship from years ago and in our 60s here's a woman that i met when she was nine and a half and i was 12 we've been friends all our lives we had a year and a half relationship in the 70s and now here we are in our 60s we've moved on she's raised her children divorced her husband got the new house we're just friends and one day in my apartment she says for her the best of all possible worlds would be to have a man and a woman in her life. Now, for all of these years, she's been telling me that her bisexuality was just a phase from her past. But she has finally found enough 
safety, enough uh, confidence in, in being able to let down her guard and open up to her lifelong friend that she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, how do you deal with communicating if the person that you're dealing with isn't ready to be honest? Right. That's difficult because and the reason we have to consider that is because many times our reactions will cause people to censor themselves. And the truth is, I just wrote a little blog article about this yesterday. It takes almost nothing for people to censor themselves. Mm -hmm. When I'm considering what to say out loud, it only takes the thought that you might not approve or like what I'm going to say to cause me not to say it. And, and if you if you think about uh, that particular revelation, that's a big one. That's not a small one. That's not my favorite color is red. That That is something. Yeah, that's, that's a huge revelation, right. Robert. And, that, and something really close to the vest. It's yeah. highly personal and highly controversial. And I'm sure she's gotten a lot of rejection through her life because of those things. And so... You can, I would say, I would say that what we can do, you can't, you can't really force anybody to do anything, but I can create as safe an environment as possible. And clearly you have, because she told you that, right? I can create a a safer environment by not being so reactionary to things and not being defensive about that. It's a puzzle piece you have to put together. And so am I going to get mad that the piece is green instead of blue? No, but it, it, you have to consider that. So just your initial reaction uh, can make or break. And often, too, I find that if we can create a culture where you're required to say what's on your mind, we're going <laughs> to that um, if you're if you can create a culture where you're free to say what you want to say before you're in the conflict, then you've built a foundation of trust there so that it's easier to say the difficult things. It's never going to be easy to say something like that, though. So there's a there there was a, a movie um, where the person had to tell the truth all the time, and, and that didn't go so well sometimes. <laughs> so, so maybe the culture. The other thing that, Amanda, you said um, that I'd like to hear from other listeners about is the the point that you said we censor ourselves i think some of us censor ourselves too much some not not enough sometimes we're so um able to say everything out front that it can be uh very hurtful so from our listeners do you find that in your relationship sometimes you hear too much honesty or would you like to hear more would you like sort of that truth serum out there give us a call at 1877 MPB ring that's 18776727464 you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org this is relatively speaking we'll be right back talking about how much should we be censoring ourselves
MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. After this election cycle, come November, one thing is clear. Whether Donald Trump wins or loses, the Republican Party is changing. I, I just think this is where the... This is what the mindset of working class people have been for some time. Trump just came along and filled a vacuum. The lasting effect of Trumpism later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is NPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Amanda Box, who is an expert in conflict resolution. And we've been talking about having difficult conversations, how to communicate in the best way that you can without becoming defensive or um, attacking someone. And and when when difficult conversations come up, what's the best way to navigate through them? So thanks for being here, Amanda. You had a story for us. We do have time for another caller if you'd like to call, though, at 1-877-672-7464. So tell us about your little story. Well, when Chuck and I, that's my husband, we were in graduate school at Mississippi College. We shared a car, and that was way before Internet and online classes and all that. We actually went to the classroom, and, and so we were always taxiing each other back and forth. And so we lived, if you know Clinton, it's small. Mississippi right. College is right there. You know, there's several apartment complexes, and, and we lived one down the hill from the Waffle House. And so... Um, we we would just you know take each other back and forth to wherever we were going. And so every I got a little sick of this one thing Chuck would do every time that we would come up to this one stoplight and take a left on eighty there. He would tell me to get in the right lane because our apartment complex was that close. <laughs> oh, I know this story. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Everybody has had this story. So you know I took that for a while, but then I I started really getting angry about it. And, you know, just every time we would go to the stoplight, take a left, get in the right lane, stoplight, left, get in the right lane, stoplight, left, get in the right lane. And I just, I just got so sick of it. Right. Because, you know, I was in grad school. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in you the library. This was before yeah. Google. You I was to get the right I lane. I could find my way home. Yeah, I could find my way home. And so this one day, it was on a Monday, and I, I planned all day long that this was going to be the last day that was going to happen. <laughs> and so I picked him up from class, went to the stoplight, took a left on 80, and I knew he was going to say it because he always did. I mean, this had happened for months. But I stayed in the left lane a little longer just to make sure he would say it. And so sure enough, get in the right lane. And I just started screaming my head off at him oh, yeah. and I mean that's what you teach right, right. oh yeah it's exactly what I teach <laughs> and I was working on my master's in communication so I was really you know all studied up on what to do <laughs> and so uh, the funny thing was I had plotted all day but I only got to the plan where I just started screaming at him 
I didn't get to what to do after that. So it was like the shortest screaming match possible. So how do you think that went? You know, do you think he just took my hand and said, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that to you again? Of course not. No. Have you lost your mind? What's <laughs> wrong with you? Oh, he was, he's way better screamer than I am. Uh-huh. He's got a, a room full of trophies in our house to prove it. I mean, he's going to win. Uh-huh. And so I just laughed my head off at that story because why did I think that was going to work? That was never going to work. Before the break, you talked about being honest. Well, was that being honest with him, you know, waiting to trap him into a screaming match? No, that's ridiculous. It had absolutely no chance of working. And so we strategize about everything. We We strategize about our careers, our money. Our education, our our child's education, except for our communication. communication. And we just fall into a default. We are like a, a ball in a pinball machine. And you just you just do what you know. You may have inherited your cursing self from your father and your silent treatment from your mother. So that's what you do. So you may need to practice. You so may you need to strategize. Yes. Suggestions that's, for us, right? Right. So you, you do want to be honest. Now, in the South, we have uh, this exceptional gift of being being polite and being hospitable, hospitable, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. But we can be so polite and nice to each other that we're dishonest. Right. And so there's a difference between being off the charts emotional and being able to articulate about your emotions. And, and so what you want to do when you're entering in this conversation, and this works on any level, and the lower the level that you can begin, the, the, the easier the conflict is going to be. Now, I didn't say easy. Even you said easier, easier. Yeah, I uh, know exactly what to do. And it's still hard because you're because it feels very risky. Mm -hmm. You know, the deeper your relationship or whatever, the consequences are real for us. So with that first uh, opening into the conversation, you want to look for a window and really invite that person into a conversation in a way that will cause the least amount of defensiveness possible. So. Like we talked about with uh, a few minutes ago, you don't want to start this conversation with, why are you being such a jerk? Right. You want to start the conversation with, I care about you. Well, just something factual. Yesterday, we were talking about disciplining our children. Okay, can can anybody disagree with that? Does that cause defensiveness? Am I insulting you? Am I disapproving in any way? No. No. All right, so you would just want to make it just the facts, ma'am, like Sergeant Friday, if you, mm-hmm. if anybody remembers that show. Sure. So the next one is you have to be really honest about your emotions. I feel, and I know that's kind of a, uh, it's right in line with the group hugs and singing Kumbaya, but the truth is that this conversation <laughs> is not to manipulate them into doing what you, what you want them to do. This conversation is for you to communicate clearly and effectively. So I have to say, I'm really frustrated with what's going on with our family dynamic right now. Right now, I'm sad and I'm scared what's going to happen to our children if, if they don't learn these lessons early because the consequences are severe. We have to get on the same page. Good. So and, that's a, the way to open. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to understand what you have to think about really narrow zone in. What do you want to see happen? Do you want to go to counseling? Um, do you, do I want my husband to stop making fun of me in public because that hurts my feelings? Then you have to say that. And then you say, if we can work that out. Look, I'm not going to be mad at you. 
<laughs> so be very concrete be about very concrete. what you want yep. to come out of this. Yeah. If you have a flat statement, you share how you feel about it. And also a big part of that is my contribution. You know, my my contribution, uh, you know, I'm f- very frustrated with, with this. And my contribution is I've lost it a few times, you know, too. Yeah. So that's made things worse. I've made things worse. I know that I haven't been the best at right. this. But you know, let's do a start over and let's try to get there. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's work towards putting these puzzle pieces together so we can get the best out of this conflict. Yes. Thank you so much, Amanda Box, for being here with us. I think we all got some tips on how to better have conversations without ending in big conflict. Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from the members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show is engineered by Jay White, our call screener Liz Gill. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.